0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Well, good evening. Welcome to our live stream. Uh, we're so glad, uh, for those of you who are able to join us, that you're able to join us. Uh, if you are watching through the uh, our Facebook page, feel free to uh, add comments, uh, prayer requests. We do pray for your prayer requests. Uh, we pray over you. And so... Uh, that's that's a new option that we started last week and uh hope that you'll take advantage of it if you have a bible and i hope you do you can uh turn open to romans chapter 5 that's where we'll be spending our time together if you haven't already and you're watching through our facebook your your facebook page uh hit the watch party uh button or icon and uh, share it with your friends. Also, uh, if you didn't get the, get the, the, the announcement, we're going to be celebrating communion together. So also, you might want to, uh, if you haven't already, you might want to grab some bread, uh, bread and juice or wine. We'll be celebrating that later on in the message. We're going to look at Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Let's just take a few minutes, or not a few minutes, about a minute, and let's pray uh, like we did this past Sunday. Let's just take time to pray. Gather with your families, your, your roommates, your spouse. Uh, if you're by yourself, just, let's just pray, and I'm going to lead you uh, in, in prayer. Right now, just pray for your community. Pray for those who do not yet know Jesus, who live in your neighborhood. Pray for those in your family who do not know Jesus yet, that God will open their hearts to the gospel during this season. And pray for our country. Pray that during this time of quarantine, this season, Under this pandemic, that God would open hearts to the gospel. God, I pray for everyone who's watching the live stream right now. I'm sure there are those who are watching who are just filled with all kinds of anxiety. Maybe some have lost sleep. Maybe that anxiety has affected uh, the, uh, certain uh, people's health that are, that are watching. God, I pray that during this time, you will bring peace to those who, who are just worrying right now. For those who are watching who maybe do not know your son yet, they're just trying to figure out who Jesus is, They're just trying to figure out where they stand before you in in a COVID-19 world. God, I pray that you will just speak to them, open their hearts and their ears, that they will understand everything that is said this evening. And God, we pray that you will be glorified, that your name will be exalted, and that you will give us ears to hear as we listen to your word, as we read it, as we celebrate and as we remember the cross of our Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is the cross to you? Historically, it was the most brutal form of torture, the most brutal form of capital punishment. It is said that the Persians uh, invented it, and the Romans uh, perfected it. Uh, everything about the crucifixion was made to, to inflict pain and torture. When a person was crucified, uh, the nerves that the nails would, meant to pierce would cause the body to feel like it was on fire. Uh, a person did not die right away from crucifixion. In fact, it wasn't the pain that killed the person. It was the suffocation that would, that would happen to the body as that person hung on the cross. What is the cross to you? And and let me ask another question. When you think about the cross, why was it necessary for Jesus to be crucified on a cross to die such a horrible death? The Bible says he did that for you and he did that for me. Why was that necessary? The... uh, an ancient Jewish historian called crucifixion the most wretched of deaths." Uh, we the word "excruciating if you've used it before to describe pain I've used it a few times it literally comes from uh, "from the cross. That's where we get excruciating from. The crucifixion of Jesus is really a picture. And this is what I want to unpack for you this evening as we prepare our hearts for communion. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ is a picture of the ugliness of our sin. And what I want to do for you is, is I want to, I, my hope is to answer why the cross was necessary. Why, why that mode of death? I heard an illustration this week that may help you understand Uh, I'm certain it will help Jonathan understand, because he likes cars. Um, But uh, if you take a key and you scratch a rock with that key, there is no consequence, there is no offense to scratching a rock with a key, a car key. But if you take that same key and scratch or and you visit a, a junkyard, and you find a dilapidated, broken-down car that's of no use, and you take that key, and you scratch the car with that key, there is no consequence. There's no offense to doing that, most likely. If you take that same key, and you come across the car with over 200,000 miles on it, and it's, you know, the paint is flaking, and it's, it's it's functioning, but it uh, looks pretty beat up. And you take that key and you scratch the car. They m- there may be some offense, but that's probably about it, if even it's noticed. But what if you took that same key and you found a Ferrari and you scratched the side of that Ferrari? The Ferrari in the picture, Jonathan actually uh, told me it was worth, it's valued at $3 million dollars. But if you scratch that Ferrari, then uh, there is great offense to doing that. You might even find yourself in jail. When it comes to God and our sin against God, sometimes it's easy to think that if I lie against my, you know, if I lie to my friend, well, yeah, that might be bad, but it's not really. Is it, is it, I'm not going to spend eternity in hell for that, but when we consider that God is infinitely good and holy and great, then any offense against Him, any sin against Him, is greater than whatever sin that we would be, uh, gu- that we are guilty of towards our neighbor or our, or our friend. Your sin against God is, gr- is great and infinite because the sin is against a great and infinite God. This is why the prophet Nahum states in the Bible, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. Now that may sound harsh, and I hope you'll just stick with me for the remainder of this message because that's what makes the cross such good news. Why not only it was necessary, but why it is good news. If God is a perfect God, he must be perfect in every single way. Otherwise, he's, he's not God. He must be perfect in his holiness, in his goodness, and even in his, in his love, and even in his justice. If God is perfect in every way, listen, if he's perfect in every way, then his perfect and sin- sincere love requires that he hate evil. And here's the problem. We're all born into sin. The Bible calls that evil. In fact, in Romans chapter 3, maybe you're familiar with it, we read these words, and they're on the screen here. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. That's all of us. In another passage, you can write it down if you're taking notes or look it up sometime, in Ephesians chapter two, we read these words: "And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind." That's all of us. One of the most popular Bible verses in the world, I think, is John three sixteen. You see it on car, you know, on on, on boards or you know cardboard banners or whatever at, at, at uh, football games and. And most people are familiar with it. But when you think about that verse, when you think about John 3.16, how does that work for you and for me? Uh, Consider the verse. And if you're at home, uh, you can read it out loud. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. How does that work for you and for me? That if God's love, if it's perfect, requires him to hate evil, and in this verse it says that it was his love that resulted in him sending his son to die in your place and in my place. The answer to that question is that Jesus became sin for us. That's what the cross represents. See, uh, the evening before Jesus was sentenced to death by crucifixion, he was in a garden. It's the Garden of Gethsemane. It literally means the place of the olive press. And he was praying, not only for his disciples, but he was praying for you. He was praying for me. He was praying about what was going to come. And he, he, he said in that prayer, as he was praying to God, the Father, he prayed, Father, uh, if it is your will, or if it's possible, if it's possible, let this cup, this cup of your wrath, let it pass from me. It's a metaphor that's used in the Old Testament to describe God's judgment, that God's judgment is poured out like a cup full of his wrath. Jesus said, if it's possible, may this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. it's hard to wrap our minds around everything that was happening in in, in Jesus' heart and mind in those moments as he prayed in that garden. But think about it. The Bible tells us that he he was under such great stress that he sweat great drops of blood, which physically can happen when, when the body is under that amount of stress. And as he prayed, the Bible tells us that God sent an angel to minister to him. Not to relieve him from the suffering, but to minister to him, to strengthen him, to endure what he had to go through, what he willingly said he would do, what he willingly was committed to do. There's another passage, it's not on the screen, but it's in John chapter 10, where Jesus said, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Meaning, Jesus said, I'm doing this willingly, and I'm doing this for the glory of God the Father, and I'm doing it for the good of mankind. So Jesus willingly laid down his life as the prophets of long ago foretold that he would, Isaiah 53 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent. so he opened not his mouth. So in that garden he was betrayed. He would not hide from the Roman authorities. He willingly subjected himself to, to the, the authorities, to the Jewish authorities, and then later to the Roman authorities. When, um, when Pilate was just perplexed at why, why Jesus was even being, you know, being questioned, why, why the Jews wanted him dead, um, Jesus said, you know what, he, the only authority you have, Pilate, is the authority that my Father in heaven has given to you. In uh, Acts chapter 2, Peter was preaching a sermon, and he said, You know, this Jesus was delivered up by the predetermined plan of God, but he was delivered into the hands of lawless men, that God was able to take this great evil, this this evil motive of the people, and use it for our good and his glory. You know, this is the reason why we call the Friday of Holy Week, this is Holy Week, the Friday of Holy Week, we call it Good Friday, and it's for this reason. Jesus willingly died for you and died for me. That on that cross, he paid it all, and all to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed us white as snow. So there are three things that I want to just share with you as we prepare our hearts for for celebrating communion together, breaking bread together together. Uh, and, and, and celebrating the, the cup together. And the first is this, that Jesus died so that we could have the peace of God. That's what we see here in Romans chapter 5. Jesus died so that we can have the peace of God. The cross was necessary so that we can ha- have peace with God. The Bible tells us that from the moment of birth, we're born, we're, we're born sinners. We're born separated from God. We're born alienated from God. And our greatest need is not a cure for the coronavirus. Our greatest need is to have peace with God. The word that the Bible or the Hebrew language uses for this kind of peace is shalom. It's the kind of peace that's only possible if, if you have a relationship with God or where the presence of God is. Our world is under a curse, friends. I mean, that's why we have a pandemic today. We're, our world is under a curse. It's the reason why there are hurricanes, there, it's the reason why there are tsunamis, and it is the reason why there are pandemics. Last I checked, I, I, I believe uh, nearly 8,000 deaths in, in New York due to the coronavirus and, uh, and, and deaths you know, in other states due to the virus. The reason that is is because there is a curse that we're under, that this world is under. Since Adam and Eve rebelled in the garden, our experience has been simply this, the vandalization of the peace that we were born to experience and to know, the peace that we can only have with God. Our greatest need is that our sins be forgiven so that we can have shalom, so that we can have God, so we can have a relationship with God. And by having shalom, uh, we have this relationship that we were born for. We were made for worship. We were made to know the God of all creation. Everything about us was made to know that God. That's why the cross is necessary. We deserve the cross. You know, think about that. We deserve the cross. Not, Jesus didn't deserve the cross. We deserve the cross. We deserve the great t- sorrow that Jesus experienced in the garden hours before he was betrayed. We deserve to drink the cup that Jesus prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not your will be done, or not my will be done, your will be done. And he willingly drank that cup. We deserve to drink that cup, not Jesus. Yet it was, who, it was Jesus who drank that cup, the cup of God's wrath. And he voluntarily and willingly endured death by crucifixion. According to Romans 5, it is only through the cross of Christ that you can have peace with God. And maybe you're here watching the, the, the live stream and, and maybe that's, that's what you've been trying to figure out. Maybe you, you've been searching for joy and contentment that seems to have eluded you all your life. Maybe the reason is, is because you do not yet have a relationship with God. Your greatest need is to be reconciled with the God of all creation. And the only way that that can happen is through a personal relationship with Jesus. That's what Good Friday is all about. Jesus died in our place for our sins. If you have peace with God, then what can the coronavirus do to you? Think about it. If you have peace with the God of all creation, if you've been reconciled to him, if you have a relationship with him, what can, what, what can anything do to you? What can death do to you? That's why Jesus said, you know, uh, some of you they will kill, talking to his disciples. He said, some of you they will kill, but not a hair on your head will perish. Why was he able to say that? Because the disciples had a relationship with God through Jesus. And if your sins have been forgiven, You now stand on the grace of a God who loves you. And according to the Apostle Paul, he said this, that now you can rejoice in your sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who who has been given to us. I mean, if you have a relationship with God, when it comes to your sin, all shame is, is, is gone in the sense that you're forgiven, that you stand before a holy God, righteous, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus did. Jesus went to the cross and died on that cross, a cross that you deserved and I deserved. That's, that's the first thing that we see in Romans chapter 5, that Jesus died so that we could have peace with God. The second thing, uh, well, the second reason why the cross was necessary, is that Jesus died so that we could know the love of God. So that we could know the love of God. Uh, verse 6, if you're following along, says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. We're the ungodly that Jesus died for. Jesus died so that we could know the love of God. Not just know with our minds, but know in our hearts. Experientially know. To know him with, with all that we are. There's this uh, Greek word that's used in Philippians and other places in the Bible. It's the word gnosko. It sounds like an Italian word to me anyway. And uh, it's an experiential knowledge. It's a, in, the, in the Greek version of the Old Testament, it's the word that's used to describe uh, Abraham when he knew Sarah in a marital sense. Uh, it was an experiential knowledge, not just a head knowledge. And, uh, and, and the kind of love that Jesus died for us to know, it was, to, to, it was an experiential knowledge uh, of what it, meant to, what it means to be a son or a daughter of the living God. Jesus died so that we can know the love of God. He died for people like you, and he died for people like me. He died so that we could know the love of God instead of the wrath of God. Jesus endured our hell so that we could one day enter his heaven. On the cross, both the justice of God and the mercy of God came together as the expression of God's hatred for sin and his his love for those of us who had no, no power or ability to fix our situation, to fix our sin problem. Jesus, as the prophet Isaiah wrote, was, listen, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds, listen, we are healed. As one modern hymn rightly states, it's one of my favorite hymns, the gift, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. That's why the cross was necessary, friends. This is why Paul states in verse 9 in our passage that we're looking at here, Since therefore we have now been justified by the blood of Jesus, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And Later in Romans chapter 8, Paul wrote, In light of the great love that God uh, ex, you know, expressed in the, in the slaughtering of Jesus, this is true of us. He says this, in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Or Earlier in that chapter, in Romans chapter 8, uh, if you're a part of Meadowbrook Church, you've you heard me say this or quote this verse many times. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in who? Christ Jesus. Jesus died so that we can know the unfailing love of a God we were born to worship. And then thirdly, and finally, Jesus died so that we could experience the friendship of God. Jesus died so that we can experience the friendship of God. Look at verse 10 through 11. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. This is a really, that's a loaded verse. And we don't have the time to unpack the whole verse uh, this evening. But think about what that is saying. For, while, for if while we were enemies, at one time in our life, we were enemies of God, positionally. You've you've heard me use this uh, illustration. We run from from God like a thief runs from a cop. That's that's who we are in our nature. And it was God who came looking for us. Uh, If you saw on my Facebook page, if you're a friend of my my face, or if you're friends with me on Facebook, you maybe you've seen this. But I shared my story, uh, how I came to faith in Jesus. When I was hit by a car on July 12, 1991, I wasn't looking for God. He came looking for me, and He met me there in the middle of that highway. So I was afraid of, you know, as I was there laying there, afraid, afraid that I would die, afraid that if I died, I'd spend eternity in hell. Um, but God met me there. Jesus died so that we, we could experience the friendship of God. We were enemies of God, and because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, we can be reconciled with God. If you're watching this and you're trying to figure out what does it mean to be a Christian, uh, maybe you're still on the fence about you know, believing in Jesus and following him, uh, the Bible says that if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you go from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God, and that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can separate you from his love cross of Christ reveals to us that through the death of Jesus, we are made friends of the living God, the God of all creation. You know, I I love a good mystery movie. Like, I I love movies that are kind of, like, categorized as thriller slash mystery. We're trying to figure out who's responsible for committing the crime or committing the murder, and you just quite don't know who it is, and the movie does a really good job, or the story does a really good job of you know, spinning things. So you're always constantly guessing who did it, who who committed the crime. I grew up watching Scooby-Doo. I don't know about you, um, but I'm not even sure if it's still on TV anymore. But uh, every episode, every episode, Scooby-Doo and and the Scooby Gang and the was it the Mystery Van? Uh, they, there was always a a mystery that they had to solve. And what it, what was interesting about that show is that it was never the person who was angry. It was never the shady person that was uh, typically responsible for the crime. It was the nice person. It was the teacher. It was the nice janitor. It was whoever. And, uh, and, and that was true of every episode. And then when you got to the end of the episode, uh, the, you know, the Scooby gang would, would figure it out. And they would, just, they would say, hey, this is who committed the crime. The point of Good Friday is that the only true good person in the story of Good Friday was Jesus. And the true villains were us. If, uh, if our story was a you know, Scooby-Doo episode, uh, we would be the villain. The Bible tells us that This has been our problem since Adam and Eve rebelled. And here's the story of the Bible. We're all Adam, we're all Eve, we're all guilty of rebelling. If Adam didn't rebel against God, you would have done it, or I would have done it. And it's God who seeks out his enemies to reconcile reconcile them to himself through his son. We are the villains in the Good Friday story. But here's the great thing about the great news of that story, is although we're the villains, we're also the ones that Jesus came to rescue and to redeem and to reconcile, to make friends of the living God. Listen to Romans chapter 5, verse 10 again. If, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. That's us. On the eve of Jesus' death, he was determined to make enemies of God into friends of God. I mean, think about when he was on the cross. He had two thieves, or two criminals, that were crucified alongside of him. And and, and if you read carefully, what you'll read is that they both started off mocking him, along with everybody who was watching, except for his mother and a few other people that revered him. Everybody was mocking Jesus why he hung naked on a cross, suffering and dying. And the two, the two criminals who deserved what they, what they got, the, the crucif- death by crucifixion, also mocked him. And, uh, and through the course of this dialogue or this time that Jesus hung on the cross, one of the criminals said, Jesus, remember me when you get to paradise. And what happened? Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth today, you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus, on that eve before he was crucified, was determined, had his eyes set on what he would do for you and for me. That's the story of Good Friday. That's what makes that Friday good. Good for you and good for me. Before he even got to Gethsemane, before he, he made his way to the garden, he celebrated... Uh, Passover, the last Passover meal with his disciples, and, uh, and and he said, you know, I've I've been longing for this, I've been waiting for this. Uh, every Passover meal that you have celebrated, disciples, it, it points to me. It points to me, and, and now I get to celebrate one more time with you before before I die, before I uh, am betrayed and I die. Oh, it's interesting. He frequently told his disciples that he was going to die, and on the third day he would rise from the grave. They never heard about, they never listened to the part about the resurrection. They, apparently they never heard that part, um, even though he said it to them. Uh, they just couldn't believe that a Messiah uh, like Jesus had to die. But he, he was determined to die. And uh, the reason why he celebrated the Passover with them is he wanted them to remember what the Passover symbolized. That the Lamb of God would need to be broken and pierced and to have his blood shed on their account so that they can be not just friends of God, so that they can know the love of God. Not just to know the love of God, so they can also have the peace of God. And so what I invite you to do in this moment is just to get the bread. Whatever, whatever bread you gathered for your family, in your room, wherever you're watching this live stream, get that bread and get the cup. And, and bring it into, uh, in the midst of your group. And I want you to take the bread and, and just, you know, whoever who has it, I'm, I'm hoping you washed your hands. <laughs> um, whoever you are that's holding it, just, just hold it for a second. Jesus picked up the bread and, and he said, this, this is my body. This is my body that's going to be broken for you. And every time you gather together, I want you to remember what I'm about to do on your behalf. So as you get the bread, I want you to take take the bread and pass it around to your family members, your roommates, whoever it is that you're gathered with. If it's just by yourself, take the bread. and, And as you contemplate all that the cross means for you and for me, I want you to take the bread and let's eat together. during the Passover, he, there were multi, multiple cups that would be passed during the Passover meal. But he held up one cup, and uh, he held it up and he said, this is the cup of the covenant of my blood, is essentially what he said, that's going to be poured out for you. Every promise that uh, the prophets made on behalf of God, every, every promise God made through the prophets that he would one day remove the hardness of your heart and give you a heart of flesh and enable you to love him and to obey him and to follow him, all that is going to be inaugurated. All that's going to take is going to be available to you upon my crucifixion, upon me shedding my blood. Is what Jesus told the disciples, and uh, he passed the cup around to his disciples and he said, "I want you to drink this. I'm not going to drink it with you until I drink it again." as I drink it anew with you in the kingdom of heaven. But, but I want you to, to drink this. Every time you come together, I want you to drink it in remembrance of me that my blood was shed on your behalf. So let's drink together. The story of Good Friday, the good news of Good Friday is that there is no condemnation for those of us, for you and for me, whose faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. That's what the cross symbolizes. The reason why Jesus died to death that he died was because our sin is great. And, and the hope of the gospel is that uh, not only did he, did he die for your sins and for mine, but on the third day, he rose from the grave. And that's this coming Sunday. We're going to talk about that. We're going to unpack that together. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the good news of the gospel. Thank you, God, that, that through the cross of Christ, we can have your peace, the peace that we were born for, the peace that we are born to know. Through the cross of Christ, we can know the love of you, Father, that we were made to know, even though we're enemies, even though we were enemies of you, even though we were running from you, you sought us out, you found us. And you, through, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, you made us your own. And it's the result of our faith, our faith, just believing, God, that Jesus is enough, that he was enough, that all that he did on the cross was enough, that I don't need to add to it that what he did was sufficient and is sufficient for my past, present, and future sins. And we thank you, Father, that the cross is the means by which we are made your friends. Not just friends, but sons and daughters. Never to be disowned, never to be forsaken, never to be abandoned, but yours. And that's why we can celebrate the truth of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.